0: Welcome to Dark Matter Uncovered in this special podcast series Thierry and Adrian explore the breadth of opportunities in the emerging space sector a new key pillar of the Luxembourg economy Dark Matter Uncovered is a Lux Unplugged production supported by Hogan Lovells a global team advising clients on their most complex legal issues on earth and beyond.
1: On this fifth episode of our Dark Matter Uncovered podcast series, I had the pleasure of speaking to Emmanuel Ramos, founder and president at Skyflux. Skyflux is an European space agency spin-off company based in Luxembourg. As we know, the Luxembourg space sector is continuing to grow, and that's why I wanted to speak to Emmanuel who has worked in the space sector for over 40 years, and with Skyflux, his company operates within the space and aviation industry. He explains to our listeners how complex and challenging his Earth observation technology truly is, but also what the main benefits of this technology is, such as reducing space debris and utilising commercial passenger aircrafts. A highly informative conversation about the technology, the legal challenges, and what the future holds for the company. But now, without further ado, my conversation with Emmanuel Ramos, founder and president at Skyfox. Hi, Emmanuel. Thank you for joining us here on the Dark Matter Uncovered podcast series. Good morning, Thierry. Thank you for inviting me. Before we dive into all those exciting things in space, uh, for people who don't know you, could you please introduce yourself?
0: Yes. My background studies, in fact, are in physics and microwave engineering. And I have more than 40 years experience in industry, international organization, and public functions. I started my career in the beginning of the 80s in the research labs of Philips in Paris, where I had the chance to work in the pioneering field of satellite TV, uh, which was at uh, its infancy at that time. And by the way, I invented there the world's first commercial flat satellite TV antennas. And in 84, I joined the European Space Agency, ESA, where I worked in various engineering and management positions. Uh, mainly in the satellite telecommunications, which is the most commercial space sector in fact, uh, designing satellite technology, managing industrial projects and facilities deployment. Uh, in parallel I have been involved in the development of satellite internet in Greece, and I was also delegate in EU instances for Galileo and uh, also delegate in OECD. And after my retirement from ESA in 2016, I have founded SkyFlux and ESA spin-off developing Orca which is a novel constellation concept using commercial aircraft, as an alternative platform for small satellite-like payloads, instruments.
1: So you had an intensive uh, career so far in space. What fascinated you to get involved in the space sector in the first place? Well, I
0: came in contact with space via its commercial site, a satellite TV, where I realized that uh, uh, technology and markets are going hand in hand. They are interrelated, but it is while working in ESA, that I had to tackle the space sector technology development issues. Because uh, sending a satellite in space to operate there for 50 years without any service and in the most harsh space environment, it is really a most exciting and fascinating technological challenge. And it is a multidisciplinary team work you learn every day. So working in ESA was for me a dream job, I
1: have to say. And before we dive into the core of this conversation and talk about Skyflux, I would like to talk briefly about your Oxford University course, Satellite Communications and Navigation, Technologies, Markets and Applications. What can you tell us about this course and is it still running?
0: Yeah, well this is a five-day course which is a cooperation between ESA and Oxford University and it gives a complete introductory overview of satellite communications and navigation and the target audience is mainly graduates and young professionals with uh, either an engineering or a financial background. In fact the link the course links market requirements to technical capabilities and I was the initial designer of this course and director of this course in which we invited leading professionals from the space industry. In fact we brought in contact the participants with the real people that are making space happening in Europe today. The course uh, was stopped during the COVID crisis,
1: but uh, continues again this year. And is there a reason why this course is in in Oxford and and not in other countries, or perhaps uh, a course in Luxembourg?
0: Well, this uh, started when uh, ESA deployed the uh, a space centre in uh, the Oxford side uh, in uh, UK in uh, 2015, and we were looking for cooperation between, uh, you know, local uh, uh, UK entities uh, and ESA, and Oxford, of course, was uh, uh, the ne- next door to the, to the centre, and it was a natural choice to cooperate with them, and we were very happy with this
1: cooperation. And do you have any involvement as well with, uh, perhaps, courses in the future with the University of Luxembourg?
0: Well, in fact, uh, I would be glad uh, if uh, I proposed to give a introductory uh, satellite uh, communication courses. I have been teaching in, um, in Paris, in uh, Toulouse, in Athens, in uh, universities. And it is a pleasure to talk to students uh, and introduce them to the fascinating space. Space is fascinating. When you look to the numbers, really, you are overwhelmed by the, 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 how harsh is the space environment
1: but how, put, how much potential it has. So founded in 2018, as you mentioned earlier, Skyflux is an ESA spin-off company. Can you tell our listeners about your company's core mission? Yeah.
0: Skyflux was created to develop and commercialize ORCA. ORCA is a novel constellation concept which I proposed while I was in ESA. But as I was retiring at that time, the best way to continue the development of ORCA was to create Skyflux, which is a license for its development and commercialization. In fact, the ORCA concept, which means optical and radio frequency constellations on aircraft, it's an acronym, proposes to use commercial airplanes, passenger or cargo, as a platform to carry small equipment and several equipped aircraft from a form constellation, which may support several earth observation and telecommunication services, we have selected uh, initially to develop an earth observation constellation as a first application of the ORCA concept. In the future, we may also go to develop uh, telecommunication uh, constellations. And ORCA, in fact, brings a unique solution, offering to complement satellite earth observation with multiple daily optical and thermal monitoring over Europe. In our first payload, we have optical and thermal cameras, and is taking advantage of the thousands of daily airline flights over the continent. And, um I have to say that an important aspect of the concept is that Orca is using existing airlines infrastructure, an existing ground segment, and it does not create any space debris, so it leaves the precious space orbits for the reference satellites. Our belief is that Orca is a game changer which allows services that either are conceivable or too expensive with alternative systems.
1: So if I understand this correctly your system or the orca system is implemented in a regular passenger flight and all that data is captured while the the airplane is flying from a to b somewhere in europe or or us or anywhere else in 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 the world exactly
0: Uh, we uh, we don't ask uh, airlines to uh, do to change their flight paths Uh, we just uh, the airlines are just flying their flights normally And uh, the instruments that we uh, place uh, under the the belly of the aircraft uh, are registering images or data, measuring temperature, for example, or measuring CO2 or other uh, parameters, uh, depending on the instrument, of course. Uh, And then uh, when the uh, aircraft is landing, all these data are downloaded via the LTE network, the mobile network. Uh, So we're using, as I said, the most reliable infrastructure we have around the earth, airlines, eh, passenger airlines and um, existing mobile networks. That makes the system very low cost as compared to alternatives. And that's why we believe that
1: it can allow services democratizing the use of Earth observation. So if we would compare this to other systems that will be then sending up a satellite and doing the Earth observation that way, so you're doing a a more uh, sustainable, because the flight is uh, flying anyway, Um, so you're capturing that data while... Uh, these airplanes, uh, passenger or cargo, are flying around the world. Would that be comparable? Yeah, well, uh,
0: uh, if you want to cover Europe, for example, with uh, uh, Earth observation satellites, which are flying at around 600 kilometers of uh, altitude at low orbit, then uh, in order to have a frequent coverage, you need many of those, 100, 200 satellites, and of course, this is a very uh, uh, important system which costs uh, a lot of uh, money uh, in the order of uh, you know, uh, hundreds of millions. While uh, our system, which is flying typically at 10 kilometers altitude, uh, the, the cruising altitude of the commercial flights, not only uh, it flies in a more uh, benign environment, uh, somehow, uh, it's not a space environment, which is very harsh, but also it's using existing infrastructure, as I said, so we don't have to build the satellites, we don't have to launch them, uh, we don't have to build a dedicated ground segment, so this makes the cost uh, one-tenth or one-hundredth of an equivalent space system. That's uh, that's the advantage of, uh, a key advantage of Orca, uh, as well as the fact that uh, with uh, uh, the airplanes, we can access the payloads and either replace them or fix them when their planes are going for maintenance, and this happens uh, quite often, as you know. So uh, it has uh, several aspects that uh, help us uh, uh,
1: believing that this, uh, this really is going to be a game-changer. And why is Earth observation so important in the context of space, but also in the application to our daily lives?
0: Uh, well, Earth observation is invaluable for assessing the Earth system and also the impact of humans on it. It has multiple applications we could talk hours about them but let me give you some examples for example uh, which are really in our uh, lives today an example is the forecasting of the weather you can see earth observation images on your tv every day at the meteor report and uh, without satellites an uh, earth observation uh, the meteor report would not be as accurate as it could be or uh, you can manage energy sources for example or fresh water supplies or You can manage crops in agriculture. A key application, of course, is monitoring the climate change, where Earth observation plays a key role. Uh, It was Earth observation that uh, uh, first, uh, you know, was used to indicate that there is a problem there. And uh, another example of uh, really importance is the monitoring and responding to disasters, for example, such as forest fires or floods. Uh, On this, by the way, I have to say that uh, for forest fires applications, SkyFlox has been awarded a seal of excellence from the European Commission and in fact with ORCA airlines can join the fight against forest fires and support services that otherwise would be too expensive to develop with alternative systems, as I said before.
1: So as you mentioned just now the importance of Earth observations and SkyFlox being a spin-off company of uh, ESA, is uh, NASA uh, doing the same or any other um, uh, space agencies, or is your company the only one doing it?
0: Well, as far as I know,
1: NASA is not working in this area.
0: There is a lot of work going in uh, alternative platforms around the world, alternative to satellites, I mean, like uh, stratospheric platforms or uh, drones. But all of these systems have uh, their own problems. For example, stratospheric platforms are also expensive, and they have to go to the stratosphere. Uh, stay there and uh, they have also to cross the the airspace and uh, the the drones you know they have limited coverage and uh, you need hundreds of those if you want to cover really a continent like uh, europe or you have to wait too long huh, in order to make an imaging of europe so uh, and also they have regulatory issues you cannot uh, send a uh, in the overcrowded already airspace, uh, more uh, uh, aircraft, more uh, drone. I mean, sending drones. So um, um, uh, th- there is quite a lot of work on alternative platforms, but I think that uh, only Skyfox is the only company that I know that develops uh, the Orca system, which, by the way,
1: is patented by ESA. And you just mentioned. Uh regulatory challenges and capturing data via regular passenger airplanes, and as we know, the space sector is highly complex, especially with new endeavors and technologies, what legal challenges do you have to overcome uh, to operate? Because you're working then across the globe. So I'm assuming uh, capturing data in every different area of the world, it comes with highly complex legal challenges. It does. As a matter of fact,
0: uh, we want to start operating first in Europe. It's our uh, home uh, base, if I may say, Uh, and it's also one of the biggest markets. And then uh, we would like to look to uh, USA, uh, which is the the other big market. Uh, So, because the aircraft are flying mainly over uh, land masses most of the time, it is there. Where uh, are the markets? It is there where we're looking to uh, to make our operations. But uh, you're right. Uh, This uh, ORCA system is at the crossroads between space and aviation, and um, the space laws and the aviation laws are not uh, are not the same. Um, To start with, uh, in order to place uh, any equipment, any equipment, even a screw on on an aircraft, you need to uh, to have it certified via the European Aviation Safety Agency in Europe. And equivalent uh, organisations in other, uh, you know, in USA, and there are well-defined and very strict and expensive procedures involving extensive design and testing activities. In fact, this is why it is uh, rather expensive due to the effort involved. Uh, So uh, the equipment has to be certified, and this, in this, we uh, we uh, we take it up with uh, the European Aviation Safety Agency. However, there is also a lack of uniformity in the laws for access to airspace in Europe. And also imaging. So Skyflux deployed considerable effort in contacting civil aviation authorities, and sometimes, and most of the times, uh, other relevant entities in overflown states. As well as we contacted the European Commission and also EASA in order to clarify the ORCA operation status over Europe. So this system has never been proposed uh, to any civil aviation authorities, So uh, they had to, uh, to, you know, to examine the, the, the issue. Uh, and there is no prior uh, laws or uh, uh, any, any considerations uh, for such a system. But we have made significant progress in uh, clarifying the situation uh, in uh, the European uh, markets. Uh, there is only uh, a couple of countries that uh, still uh, need to answer to us. But uh, we have uh, been uh, deploying quite a lot of effort there. And, uh, I mean, it has been shown in this case that uh, the development of innovation requires not only technical, but also regulatory breakthroughs. And we believe, I believe personally, that the European Commission is the European entity which is best placed
1: to support and prepare such breakthroughs in this area of aviation. So how challenging was it then for the aviation agencies to propose your system to them or the application? Surely with the backing of ESA, it was a little bit easier than if you wouldn't have had the backing of ESA.
0: Well, uh, the fact that we are an ESA spin-off, as I said before, uh, helped. And uh, ESA also gave us uh, recommendation letters explaining what is the relation of Skyflux with ESA. I have to say also that we had uh, support from the Luxembourgish Ministry of uh, uh, Foreign Affairs uh, who uh, intervened in some countries with uh, diplomatic notice. Uh, I think this was uh, very helpful. But the civil aviation authorities have never seen such a system, so they, they didn't know to which box had to tick in order to say, ah, yes, it's okay or not okay. So we had to have a discussion with them, and uh, uh, there have been uh, uh, three lawyers, expert lawyers, involved in this uh, effort. And um, you know, we had to work with uh, leading experts in aviation law, uh, and this
1: took uh, a considerable part of our efforts. So in 2020, uh, Skyflox started the final phase of the ESA co-funded uh, pilot uh, deployment project. Can you tell us about this final phase and what is happening next?
0: Certainly. Uh, Skyflox, as a prime contractor with airlines and expert industries in certification, telecommunications, net observation, all these skills are needed in order to develop such a system, evaluated Orca from the technical, business and regulatory points of view. And we made also some uh, test flights uh, in, uh, with Earth Observation and telecom equipment in the frame of this pilot project, which is co-funded by ESA and the participating industries. So the project, in fact, uh, has been affected heavily by the COVID crisis because COVID heavily affected the main partner, which is the aviation. You know, uh, But uh, this is now completing the last certification test, and we intend to fly our first EASA-certified Orca payload on a commercial passenger Boeing this year. Then uh, the idea is to seek equity funding for commercial deployment of a first constellation and this can happen as from 2023
1: if everything goes okay. And you're also taking part of the hashtag 1000Solutions, the Solar Impulse Foundation and Skyflox has been awarded the Solar Impulse Efficient Solution label. What does this mean for your daily activities and also for your clients? Um, we are happy and honoured for being
0: awarded as one of the 1,000 Solar Impulse Solutions. I mean, this recognition of the potential of ORCA, which happened after a thorough uh, selection process, we had uh, discussions with uh, Solar Impulse Foundation uh, in the details of the system, and we hope that this uh, will help us in our contacts for raising equity funding and also our contacts with our customers. It is also a platform for uh, making contacts, uh, the Solar Impulse Foundation. So we hope uh, that is going to help us in our efforts to raise
1: equity. And how far are you at the moment, then, with raising equity, or is something that is still in works at the moment?
0: Well, we have been in contact with a number of uh, uh, venture capital uh, firms, but uh, the, the the COVID delayed all these efforts because, of course, uh, uh, the, the steps. First to be done is the certification by EASA, as I said before, the European Aviation Safety Agency, and uh, the the flights on the commercial passenger Boeing. So these uh, uh, steps have to be uh, first completed before we uh, uh, go uh, full speed uh, on equity funding. But we are looking already and have discussions with uh, potential equity funding uh, uh, ventures.
1: And and you just mentioned that uh, you know you're operating in in Europe uh, at the moment, but uh, what timescales are you hoping uh, to move to other continents? Then,
0: well, as soon as we will deploy the first constellation of Europe uh, and start having income, uh, we would like to uh, to go next to to USA. Uh, we have already, uh, by the way, uh, contacted the Federal Aviation Authority there in the USA in order to clarify also the. Uh, regulatory environment, hoping that it's going to be easier because we have to deal with one entity there, not uh, all the entities around uh, the states of Europe. And uh, we're looking for partners uh, in USA in order to deploy in that side of the Atlantic.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned earlier that you you cover the landmass with the system. And I just thought to myself, each country has his own a network or agencies uh, within the aviation uh, agency, but then surely in the U.S. it must be far easier because it's one landmass, one country and one agency. Is that Would I be correct in assuming this or, or not?
0: It is correct. This is also our assumption. And uh, we have made simulations of coverage um, using data, flight data from uh, official organizations, in Europe, for example, uh, we took uh, data from Eurocontrol just to see what coverage you can obtain with uh, the normal flight paths of the of the aircraft, uh, of the airlines, uh, European or American airlines. And you see that you have an excellent coverage. And in America, you say there are a lot of uh, uh, planes flying every day. Thousands of our planes are flying every day over Europe. I mean there are a thousand flights over Europe and over USA, so you have an excellent coverage there. And uh, assuming that uh, the going through the Federal Aviation Authority takes less effort hopefully than going through the 30 more states that we have to uh, to deal with uh, in Europe and around it's a
1: correct assumption. as this podcast is about Luxembourg space sector. What are your expectations from the Luxembourg space sector and the increase of space related businesses being set up in the Grand Duchy and do you see a commercial benefit working with the European Space Agency and the Luxembourg Space Agency going forward? Well, the Grand Duchy is already a space power, I have to note, because it has one of the major, if not the
0: largest space operator in the world, which is based in Luxembourg, together with several other space companies in all sectors of the space business. In fact, the active policy of LSA creates conditions attracting space business from all over the world, as you can see from the nationality of the various countries coming there. And uh, in relation to working with ESA, LSA developed a thorough but efficient procedure for selecting the companies to support via these activities. I mean, we have been through that, of course, but it has been uh, quick and efficient. And uh, if I may say about our particular case, the answer is very simple. The Orca development would not have happened without ESA support. And also SkyFlox would not have started in Luxembourg without the active support of LSA. For us, therefore, it was uh, a key
1: support from ESA and LSA. And how can uh, SkyFlox and the overall space sector continue to drive and attract talent to the Grand Duchy? Because talent is exactly what a business like yours needs. Indeed. Well, uh,
0: <clears throat> Luxembourg has an active participation in ESA. And I believe it, just could, it should continue with it. This is, uh, you know, the European uh, forum for uh, uh, developing space in Europe, in all areas. And Luxembourg has been active already since long and uh, it should continue, I believe. But another area needing development in Europe is the early stage equity funding, which Luxembourg could further develop. I mean, it has financial institution experience and what is needed in order to develop that. And already LSA is working uh, with public entities in this area, as far as I know. So SMEs in particular, in the applications in the ground segment sector, which are the largest space sector, can be a dynamic job offering sector in Luxembourg, attracting highly skilled employment. And, uh, you know, uh, Luxembourg, if you remember, in the very early pioneering days of the commercial space, based on an innovative and I would say out-of-the-box business plan, managed to create a world-leading satellite operator against established competition. And I think it could again excel by creating the investment tools for the next ambitious space technology venture. And uh, something more, uh, incite, make tools to incite investors to take some risk. You know,
1: boats are safe in the harbor,
0: but are not, not designed for this job, but rather for sailing.
1: Emmanuel, it was great talking to you. You have a journey ahead of you, and hopefully with the right equity funding, and your expansion plans into the US and another continent. Hopefully, in the near future, we're going to talk again and see how you and SkyFlux are progressing in the world of space and aviation.
0: Thank you very much, Thierry, for giving me the opportunity to talk about these interesting things. And I certainly look forward to talk to you again. Bye-bye. That was Dark Matter Uncovered, your special series dedicated to the Luxembourg space industry and beyond. Subscribe to our Lux Unplugged podcast feed to continue receiving future episodes either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.